You are listening to Perplexity. <laughs> everybody. Happy October and welcome back to another spooky episode of Perplexity, a mystery podcast. As always, I'm your host, Kadra, and I'm so happy to be here bringing you guys another insane, spooky story for my favorite month. A couple of quick announcements before we get started. I did want to remind everyone, especially my YouTube audience, that I have those bonus podcast-exclusive episodes coming out every Tuesday where I'll be reading some spooky stories from the internet. So if that sounds interesting to you, be sure to check out all of those bonus episodes wherever you get your podcasts. Also wanted to make a quick hello to Qatar and Greece because the podcast has some new listeners there. So that is so awesome. Hello, and thank you so much for listening. And last announcement, I did want to let everybody know that I've had a buy me a coffee link for a while, and I found out that link is broken. I don't know how long it's been broken, but I know it was working for a while. So All of that to say, I ended up having to make a new Buy Me A Coffee account, and for those of you who don't know what that is, it's just a way to show your appreciation to the podcast. There's no commitment. It's just a way to like tip your server, if you will, and just say, hey, I see you, love the episodes, appreciate what you're doing, because it is a lot of hard work, and I enjoy doing this, but it's just a way to help support future episodes, keep things going so I can get new equipment and things like that. So if that interests you and you are willing to uh, check out my Buy Me A Coffee link, I will be putting that in the episode description. And it's also on my flow code link on Instagram. So that'd be like a great early 30th birthday present to me because my birthday's in just a few weeks. So let's get started. Today, we are going to be going to the beautiful and scenic Hawaii, but this is not going to be a scenic vacation. Sorry, everybody. Instead, today, we will be hearing the horrifying story of the Campbell family. Our central people to this story are James and Brittany. These two first met in high school, but they would later reconnect as adults and start dating. James had two sons that were around preteen age from a previous marriage when he reconnected with Brittany. And James and Brittany developed a strong connection. Brittany became like a mother to James's two boys, and soon the two of them got married in Vegas in 2018. And they became Mr. and Mrs. Campbell. They were both in their mid-30s at the time, And soon after getting married, the Campbells actually relocated to Hawaii in 2019. And this was because James was stationed in the Navy there. So the Campbell family, along with their cat and new puppy, settled into this new, suburban, beautiful two-story home in Honolulu, Hawaii. Sounds great, right? But not long after moving in, Brittany begins to notice strange things are happening here. They're not even unpacked or settled, and things are already getting creepy. So one day, Brittany walks into the garage, and she finds all of their moving boxes are tipped over. 
They're still in the process of unpacking. So all of the family's belongings that were in these boxes are strewn all over the garage, including very expensive music equipment because James was also a musician. And Brittany's obviously very confused by this. It didn't make sense for anyone in the family to do this. James's kids were respectful of all of their property. And like most of these stories from what we know, Brittany would eventually let this go and just try not to think much about it, as strange as it was. A few days later, Brittany was alone in the house and she heard the front door suddenly slam. At the time, she was upstairs watching a video on her laptop and doing her makeup. She liked to sit at the desk and watch makeup tutorials while she would put her makeup on every day, something that I've definitely done before. And she knew that no one was supposed to be home at this time. So when she hears the door suddenly slam, she's understandably freaked out. She investigates around the house and she's also calling out for James and the boys, but she finds absolutely nothing. Later the same night, James and Brittany laid down for bed and they both heard the front door slam. And so James is like, I just locked the front door. This doesn't make any sense. So Brittany tells James about the front door slamming that morning as well. And she goes downstairs to investigate once again. She finds that the front door is unlocked. So her and James started arguing about how there's no way that he actually locked the front door. But James is certain that he did. And this sounds like a common argument that couples have all the time. So far, it's understandable, in my opinion, that they're just chalking these things up to simple mistakes each other made or just random little things going wrong around the house like, oh, this box may have gotten kicked over by the cat or, oh, you just forgot to lock the front door or maybe there was a draft and it caused the door to slam. But eventually they went to bed. They kind of forgot about it. And James has narcolepsy, so once he's out, he's out for the night. But I'm sure that Brittany had some trouble sleeping that night. Things around the Campbell home started getting creepier and creepier. Another night, Brittany and James heard the sliding glass door in their living room mysteriously, loudly open and shut. And again, James swears that he locked this door. This time, it would be James who would go up to investigate the noise. So he finds the sliding glass door is not only unlocked, but the screen door that is in front of the glass is also wide open. There have been several points over the last several weeks also where the dog would start to bark, and it wouldn't just be like a bark as cars are passing by. It was like an alarming, disturbed bark that their dog would make and it would be for seemingly no reason at all. So now it's getting to the point that Brittany and James are both noticing these things, and they can't find any explanation for it. But James seems like he's a pretty level-headed, rational, you know, logical man, and he's understandably trying to keep Brittany calm. Brittany, on the other hand, which would totally be me, is getting very worried. She had a gut feeling that something dark and sinister was going on inside their new home. So a few more weeks pass and one night, James is downstairs playing his piano 
and he gets this sudden feeling like he's being watched. This is when he sees a shadowy figure standing outside their window in the living room. But when he goes to quickly investigate, the figure has vanished. Another day, James is home alone with the boys, and he noticed a note written on their family calendar that read, quote, Your rehabilitation starts today. Do as I did. Choose a house. Clean it up. Set up all devices. End quote. So James is obviously confused by this cryptic note, but he thinks at the time that maybe Brittany was just messing around with him, and this is her clever way of implying, like, okay, James, clean up the house. So James actually cleaned up the house, and he didn't even mention the note to Brittany. Another night, the Campbells decided that they were going to have a family night out after all that hard work unpacking, and they wanted to spend some time together to go see a movie. So Brittany liked taking a blanket with her when she went to the movies so she could kind of snuggle up and be comfortable. So there was this blanket that always sat on the couch, you know, like your couch blanket, and she wanted to take that particular blanket to the movies with her. So she goes to the couch and she can't find the blanket. It's gone. So she's like looking around between the cushions and, you know, kind of looking around the room. And she's like, James, did you move my blanket? And James is swearing up and down that he didn't. He's like, no, why would I touch your blanket? And so then at this point, with all the little things that have happened, I think Brittany might have been like frustrated. So she asks the boys, you know, she's like, come on, guys, like, I know you did something with this blanket. Where is it? Because it was always on the couch. She never moved it. And the boys are swearing that they did not move this blanket. So Brittany, kind of exasperated, is just like, okay, fine, whatever, let's just go. So she kind of gives up at the moment, and they all go to the movies together. So at this point, doors have been slamming, things are getting moved around, weird notes are appearing in their house, and figures are being seen outside the window. Like, what in the poltergeist is happening here? It's getting harder and harder to rationalize these things, so it makes sense that Brittany was feeling like she was being pranked. But James and the boys continued to swear that they had no idea what was going on. So what could she do? So like I said, they go to the movies. A few hours later, they return. And Brittany walks inside and approaches the couch and finds her blanket. And not only is the blanket sitting on the couch, but it is neatly folded sitting on the couch which just gives me chills up and down my body thinking about. There's something extra creepy about it just being like neatly folded there, you know? Like it's not under the couch or between the cushions where she could have missed it. So Brittany shows this to James and now they are both convinced that there is something really fucked up going on at their house. But again, the Campbells don't have any tangible proof as to what's happening. So they don't know if the house is haunted. They don't know if they're in danger. And once again, life just kind of continues as it would for anyone. So on Friday, September the 13th, 2019. Yes, Friday the 13th. The family headed out to the mainland to visit their family for a week's long vacation. 
They left and they saw their family. Everything was fine. It was a nice little time away. The week ends and they fly back home. They arrived to their suburban home in Honolulu, pulled into the driveway, and it's September 20th. Brittany and James see James's really nice bike just sitting in the middle of the driveway. So Brittany asked James if he used the bike and left it sitting out. And James is like, no, I definitely didn't use that. And also it's a really expensive bike. I would not have left that out, but I didn't use it anyway. So they had no idea why it would be laying out and he hadn't ridden it for a long time. So James and Brittany are getting this really creepy feeling. They have this gut feeling in their stomach that something is wrong. And at that moment, they just kind of look at each other and everything's adding up. All the signs are pointing to wrong. This is really bad. So James gets out of the car and he decides he's going to check out the garage. So he opens the garage and it is completely trashed. Similar to when Brittany first found things strewn all over the garage. Uh, But the moving boxes, their belongings, it looks like they've just been thrown around as if a tornado went through there. So, and this would be my first thought. James's first instinct is they've been robbed. And he doesn't know if anyone could still be in the house at this point. So he looks around the garage for the first thing he can find, some type of weapon. And he finds a sledgehammer. So James picks up the sledgehammer and he slowly approaches their front door. He tells Brittany and the kids to stay put and he's gonna go investigate. So he walks up to the door and he puts his key in the lock. But when he tries to turn the knob, he can't. The key is staying in a fixed position. The knob won't move. So at this point, he is just pushing on the door. He's pushing and pushing and pushing, and he cannot get it to open. But eventually he pushes hard enough and he gets the door to open just a crack. And when the door becomes slightly ajar, he meets the eyes of an intruder. And I would absolutely be shitting myself at this point. But James is holding his own. He's got the sledgehammer and he's looking at this mysterious intruder face to face. He's like, what the fuck is up, man? But the intruder speaks to James in a very calm voice. This person said to James, this is not your house. You've got the wrong house. And Brittany sees all of this happening. So she is freaking out, which I'd be doing the exact same thing. And she's screaming. She immediately starts to call the police. James also starts screaming. So things are clearly escalating. And he's like, get the hell out of my house to this intruder. But the intruder just stays calm and continues to claim this isn't your house. And so James and this intruder are just yelling back and forth at each other. And at this point, they're both like pushing and pulling on the door. But eventually James gets the door open wide enough to grab this creep. And so he grabs the intruder and throws him onto the front yard. And he's of course interrogating this intruder and he's got the sledgehammer in his hand. And he's like, who are you? Why the hell are you here? What do you want with us? What makes you think you can come into our house? 
So the intruder is cowering in the grass, and he looks pretty young, maybe in his early 20s. And he starts talking to James, saying he didn't have anywhere else to go. So for a moment, maybe James felt some empathy for this guy, you know? He doesn't know if he is a squatter, if he's down on his luck and doesn't have a home. He also isn't sure if this guy could be strung out. And then he notices that this guy is wearing his clothes. Like he went into James's closet and put his clothes on. So he's kind of just taking all of this in and he's waiting for the police to arrive. After the Campbells have had some time to process, Brittany realized that their cat has been in the house the whole time that they were visiting the family. So Brittany's immediately concerned and she starts talking to this intruder. She's like, where is my cat? But he explains to her, the cat is fine. He said he took care of the cat while they were gone. So she ran inside to check on him. And she found James' instruments, his musical instruments, uh, laying out all over the living room. And she would later say, it looked like they were laid out in like this precise, methodical way, almost like someone was taking inventory of them. She then found the cat, unharmed, but he was inside of the puppy's crate and he had no water. And she also found that this intruder must have been feeding the cat dried apricots. So I googled this and if you remove the stems, seeds, and leaves from apricots, they're safe for cats to eat, uh, whether they're raw or dried. But still, it seems like a very random thing to feed an animal. And also this guy is just a fucking creep, so. The police would then arrive and arrest this mysterious intruder and an investigation would begin. So from what you're hearing so far, this sounds like a case of frogging, like uh, one of the stories that I've told on this podcast before, the case of Daniel LaPlante. He lived in this family's wall for months without them knowing. And if you think about the Campbell family, you know, things going missing, the blanket neatly folded, doors slamming and stuff. It sounds like this guy was frogging in their house, which is already terrifying. But there is much more to this story. Just wait. So this man, this intruder, was soon identified as 23-year-old Ezekiel Zayas, and he was a man from Bridgeport, Connecticut. I don't know what brought him to Hawaii, but Ezekiel was frogging. And like I've said on this podcast before, frogging is a terrifying and pretty common phenomena where people live in people's homes without them knowing. And it's called frogging because like a frog jumps from lily pad to lily pad, these people jump from home to home so that they're not caught. People's crawl spaces, attics, guest rooms that are not used very often, those are like risky places where these froggers can sneak in. So talk about a major invasion of privacy. Zayas had been living in the crawl space of the Campbell's family attic, which is exactly what happened in the Daniel LaPlante case. He came in through their crawl space. He had been living there for months, and police weren't exactly sure how Zayas snuck his way in, but this would obviously explain, you know, all the weird shit, like I said, that had been going on at the house. But when the Campbells and police searched the home, they would find something so disturbing that it would haunt the Campbell family forever and cause them to flee Hawaii. 
So they searched from room to room. They found belongings everywhere. It was like a burglary. You know, everything was completely trashed, except for the boys' room. The boys' room was very neat and tidy, almost as if someone had come in and cleaned. Everything was in place and pristine, their beds were made, and someone had even done the boys' laundry. So eventually, they would reach Brittany and James's bedroom. And this is where they would find a towel neatly placed on their bed. And on the towel was a row of knives. Next to the knives was the Campbell's old laptop. So Brittany starts poking around on this laptop, which again, something that I would totally do. And she finds this typed document. The document was titled The Omnivore Trials, The Transformation Process, A Rehabilitation for Rat-Like People. So when I read this, I was like, what the fuck? And this was a typed journal that Zayas had been keeping. He like stole their old laptop and was typing his weird, freaky thought process on it for the last several months. So this is when you can start to get into this guy's psyche. The entries were incredibly detailed and gave very private insight into the Campbells. These were things that only the Campbells or someone living in the house could have known or heard. One of the entries even talked about how Brittany should stop trying to have more children and just put her focus into her two sons. And she had been getting fertility treatments. This was something, though, that her and James had only talked about to each other. So this was a, a secret within the family. There were also detailed profiles on each family member that Zayas had written. He even knew medical information about each of them. And then Brittany finds a detailed plan in one of the journal entries that explained the tools that Zayas would require to turn the Campbell family from omnivores to what he called Ezekiel's. Ezekiel Zayas had detailed plans to drug the Campbells and perform surgeries on Brittany and the boys, including sexual reconstruction and a hand transplant. Like, I just feel sick talking about this. After looking into the search history on the laptop, it was found that Zayas had been researching surgical tables that he could buy. He was also looking at how to surgically remove an arm and how to perform gender reassignment surgery. So at this point, if you weren't already, you're probably thinking like me, what the actual fuck is going on in this deranged person's mind? Small serum bottles were also found around the house. So maybe this is where he was going to put the drugs that he used, that he was planning to use on Brittany and the boys. The laptop that Brittany regularly used was on her desk and it had the webcam light turned on. So it turned out Brittany had noticed at random times for the last several months that the webcam light on her laptop was turning on and off in the middle of the night. Brittany would later find several video files on her laptop of Ezekiel. So she watches these videos and Ezekiel is sitting at her desk naked 
and he starts to speak about how he could transform himself into a different person with the power of makeup. In another video, he also appeared to be mocking Britney, making a deranged makeup tutorial since she liked to watch makeup videos and do her makeup. So Zayas would later be charged with felon burglary, but after just a few days, he was granted supervised release. The Campbells are obviously furious and horrified at this because this guy is clearly dangerous. He had plans to harm and probably murder this family. He was soon arrested again though, after all of this happened because he burglarized and vandalized a Buddhist center and he was imprisoned. And in August of 2020, he actually murdered his 62-year-old cellmate, a man named Vance Grace. The attack was unprovoked, and he is said to have beat Grace to death with his own hands and stomped on his head. Zayas was then placed in a Hawaii state hospital, awaiting trial for this murder. So at first he was found unfit to proceed with the trial, but he was eventually deemed fit. So I guess they just kept giving these competency exams. And doctors who evaluated Zayas found an extreme callousness towards his victims and an extreme lack of remorse. They also concluded he posed an extremely high risk for future violence. This summer, so this just happened, Ezekiel Zayas pled guilty to first degree burglary as part of a plea deal. And he was later sentenced to 40 years on four separate criminal convictions. He received 20 years in prison for manslaughter, 10 years for first degree burglary, and five years for second degree burglary, and another five years for second degree assault. The sentences are to run consecutively for a 40 year sentence. So this is all obviously incredibly recent. Like I said, this is still a developing story, but I'll tell you what I know. James Campbell is currently working on a memoir called The Omnivore Trials including more details of this case that he wants to get out to the public eye. He's had to sit on a lot of these details waiting for the trial, but there's apparently much, much more to this story. And now that the trial has happened, you know, he was on trial for this murder of his cellmate. I'm hoping that the book can come out soon. James Campbell also has a TikTok where he has shed more light about his horrifying experience and his family's experience. In uh, one of the videos, he talks about Zayas and how he was part of some weird cult. In another video, he talked about how a female called their house soon after Zayas was arrested, and this female demanded to speak to their little boys. So James believes that this woman could have been part of the same cult that Ezekiel Zayas was in. So obviously now, it's like the danger potentially isn't over for the Campbells. What if this cult is out to get them, you know? So I, I can't imagine what they've been going through. It's so horrifying to think about. So the Campbells have understandably left Hawaii. They relocated to another state. Brittany was later quoted in an interview saying to the Post, this is an incident that has really affected us psychologically as a family. It has uprooted our entire lives. Recovering from this has been really difficult. 
So James wants this story to get out to as many people as possible. He wants people to be aware of the dangers of frogging because it's something that can unfortunately happen to pretty much anybody, especially if you have a big house or an area of your home that you don't use very often. And there's actually a lifetime special called frogging that you can watch. So it's frogging hider in my house and it mentions this story of the Campbells. So James Campbell's book isn't out yet, but I am patiently waiting for it. So everyone be on the lookout for the omnivore trials. And that everybody is the absolutely horrifying story of this Hawaii house of horrors, Ezekiel Zayas and the Campbell family. finished today's episode, I have another listener story. And this listener story is special. It comes from a great co-worker of mine. Her name is Corey. And when I heard this story, I had to have her write it in. This story is titled, Jacob. When I was in college, I was dating this guy that had two small children, Xavier, four years old, and April, two years old. When we first moved in together, we got a one-bedroom apartment, and it was fine for us for a little while, because we were getting the kids for visits every other weekend. Eventually, we were getting the kids every weekend. We would make a pallet on the floor in the living room, and sometimes they would come sneak in bed with us in the middle of the night. We didn't have that much space, so we kept all their toys put up when they were not with us and stored them in the closet. One night, while staying up studying, I could hear Xavier's fire truck going off in the living room. I didn't think anything of it at the time because I just assumed the toys in the closet had shifted and made the fire truck go off. We didn't have the kids at this time. I kept hearing it, so when I went into the living room to investigate, the closet door was open, and the fire truck was out like it had been played with on the floor. I could see tracks on the carpet. I thought this was strange, but, again, didn't think anything of it. I put the toy up and closed the door. One time, when we had the kids, I could hear Xavier laughing and laughing and I was like what's so funny and he said Jacob was making him laugh confused I was like who's Jacob and he said it was his friend this was the first time he had ever mentioned Jacob over time I would see Xavier close to the wall where the closet was and he would be knocking on the wall and then just laugh and laugh. I just thought this was his imaginary friend, and again, did not think anything about it. One night, in the middle of the night, I was asleep, and I could hear our bedroom door open a little, and feet swoosh on the carpet. I was so exhausted, 
I picked up my covers and told Xavier to get in bed with me and go to sleep. I hugged his little body close to me, and I could feel he was so cold. I remember telling him, you're so cold, let me warm you up. I held him closer to me and snuggled his little body. While laying with him, I snapped and realized it was in the middle of the week and we didn't have the kids. I thought that was so weird because I heard him and I felt him, but I chalked it up to being so tired. I was working full time and going to school full time and just assumed I had imagined it. Eventually we moved across town into a bigger apartment. The kids had their own room that they shared and it was nice for them to finally have their own space. We have always kept their door to their room closed when they were not with us. One night, while watching TV on the couch, I could hear Xavier's fire truck going off in their room. I got up and went in there to look. We always made them clean up their toys whenever they were leaving to go back to their mom's house. So I was confused as to why it was going off. I go into their bedroom, and right in the middle of the room is Xavier's fire truck. But the strange part was, the fire truck was in the middle of a circle, as if someone had drove it around in a full circle. I could see the tracks on the carpet. This stood out to me because, again, we always put up the toys, and this particular toy was out. It was nowhere near the toy box, so it couldn't have just fallen out or shifted. I just put the fire truck back, closed the door, and left it alone. The next time we got the kids, I was doing laundry, and I could hear Xavier laughing in his room. I went to go check on him, and he was knocking on the wall, and someone was knocking back on the other side. I assumed it was a maintenance worker working on the unit next door, and they were just copying Xavier. I knocked a couple times and got knocks back, too. This went on for several minutes. I didn't think anything of it until Xavier said, Jacob is so funny, and I like playing with him. I thought this was strange, because he had mentioned Jacob at our old apartment and now was mentioning him again at our new one. I just thought it was a worker, and Xavier was just playing with his imaginary friend. The next day, I went to the leasing office to pay our rent, and I spoke to the office staff. I asked if they had someone working in the unit next to us the other day because my boyfriend's son was knocking on the wall with someone, and I thought it was cute that they were playing along with him. The lady told me that we were currently the only ones living in the building at the time. It was a new property, and she didn't have a work order for our building. Confused, I was like, but I heard someone knocking on the wall. She said, oh, you must have heard Jacob. My heart dropped to my feet in that instant. I asked who Jacob was. She said, Jacob was a little boy, 
about the same age as Xavier. His family had lived in that apartment above us when they first opened the property. He had leaned against a window that had not been secured to wave to his dad that was down below, and he fell out of the window and died. The family had moved away shortly after. I was so freaked out because Xavier had mentioned Jacob at our old apartment across town. And now I'm finding out that he had lived at our new apartment just above us. She then told me that Jacob was a sweet little boy and that he loved fire trucks. I went back home and told my boyfriend about what I had found out from the leasing office, and Xavier overheard me talking and interrupted me. He said that Jacob had told him to come to his apartments so that they could play together and be closer to each other when we were at the old apartment. And that's where she stops. (laughs) I got chills as I was reading that, and I've heard this story before but I just find it so interesting and special that Jacob came to Xavier across town. I don't know how he would have done this, but it's like he knew that Xavier was destined to be his friend. And obviously he was missing his mom to crawl into bed with Corey at night, as creepy as that is. But Corey, thank you so much for writing that story in. I love that story. And if you have a story, I want to hear it. Be sure to write in your listener stories to perplexitymysterypodcast at gmail.com. Or if it's easier for you, you can DM me your stories on Instagram at Perplexity Mystery Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, and I hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to tune in next week for another bonus episode and my last Halloween episode for the month of October. Thank you for listening to Perplexity, a mystery podcast, hosted, written, and produced by Kadra Brennan. If you enjoyed today's episode, tell the world about it by going to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and leaving a five-star review. It helps the show more than you know. Contact, support, and merch links can be found in the episode description. And if you have a story to share or a topic request, send an email to perplexitymysterypodcast at gmail.com. Kadra would love to read your story on the podcast. Until next week, stay curious.